Hey, it's Arjun here, the host of the Investigate podcast, and I'm here to go through the world of self-managed super funds in today's episodes. Now, I've got the experienced accountants at Obsidian Advisory. Now, other than just a cool name, got some pretty cool dudes behind the scenes. Joe and Luke both head up Obsidian Advisory as chartered accountants, and they've got over a decade experience each. Now, Joe's come from a background at EY, has a master's in taxation from UNSW, and then Luke has come from a background with over 15 years experience, actually, in this world of accountancy. Now, Luke's actually also had experience from working with startups that have even taken their valuations all the way up to $500 million in five years, helping both hold their hands at the startup phase and nurturing through their growth. They've got many stories from experience with Fortune 500 companies to helping ASX listed companies through to helping mum and dads on their journey to grow wealth. Why this is so cool to have these guys on is that we're talking about the world of SMSFs and trying to understand what one is, what they mean in terms of all the the jargon that goes on in the world of this SMSF space. Of course, what are the traps and pitfalls, how property investing comes into it and how you can take the steps to naturally get it done. Some parts of it involve a lot of careful attention, but other parts of it aren't as difficult as many make it out to be. And that's thanks to the guys at the Obsidian Advisory Team who specialize and understand how to make things happen. So we're going to go through this in this episode and really deep dive into it because SMSFs have been very popular in the current environment, especially as borrowing capacities have taken a bit of a dip because they will allow you another field, another line of assets to build for your retirement in advantages tax spaces, but also in spaces where you can get extra borrowing capacity beyond what you may get outside of those entities. So to dive deeper into it, tune into this episode. But before you do, I've got a special favor. If you've really been enjoying the Content Investigate podcast, please do jump onto whatever channel you're listening to and leave us a review, leave us a five stars. And if that's how you've enjoyed the show, then we're looking forward to seeing that review come through. Now, from another point of things, if you're loving today's episode and you want to reach out to the team at Obsidian Advisory, just jump on their website and reach out to either Joe or Luke and make sure that you have a chat with them about the world of SMSF. Now, not only that, they specialize in business advisory, your typical day-to-day accounting, and I'm sure can assist you in some way or the other in finding the right fit for what might work for you in your accounting journey. Now, when it comes to the world of SMSF, if you feel like property investing here is going to play a key part in not just your personal or trusts, but also your retirement funds, then why not reach out to the team at investikit.com.au. Have a free consultation to learn more how we can help because SMSFs are definitely a space that we experience in and help many people grow their wealth through. So that's it from us and a little bit about the team at Obsidian Advisory. Jump into the show and learn more about what we've got to go through today. I'm here with the Gensat Obsidian Advisory. So guys, I think the first thing I got to just share with you is that's a pretty cool name. Where did, where did it come from? Well, to be honest, like me and Joe got together and then we were just thinking of like, we're thinking of names and originally it was called Triumph. And I was like, man, that's not going to, that's not going to cut. That's not going to cut it. You know what I mean? So um, I was like, we need to think of something a bit more funky. And uh, yeah, we came up with that. It's actually a type of rock. So I was like, I, I wanted to sound familiar. So like, you know what I mean? But not too familiar. So we we're like, all right, let's go with it. Well, funnily enough, when I was um, thinking of it, there was some vibe about it that came back to in my days of, 
you know, Age of Empires gaming, like the olden days, and Obsidian <laughs> just very much sounded like, you know, something from back there. So true. And so uh, that's pretty cool that, you know, it has that, I think, rock. And if I'm Googling it it's here, a it's got rock, a so dark. You're probably mining it. Ah, you're probably mining you it on the games and building empires. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Well, gentlemen, I think uh, whilst we don't have something as cool as Obsidian to talk about today, we definitely have a subject on many people's mind, which is the world of self-managed super fund and uh, we're getting a lot of inquiries in the space about what it is is it the right time is it not the right time and i thought why not have the experts on to actually talk through this and really get some good insights so can i start off with firstly what is an smsf the acronym's getting pretty crazy in here and why would someone actually even set one yeah, up yeah perfect so smsf is a self-managed super fund so most people, when they first start out working, they'll get a industry fund and that'll be managed by someone else. Uh, this is really where you can choose to to manage it yourself, obviously with the help of advisors, um, and choose the investments that you're holding for your retirement. Got it. And when it comes to that choice, is that one of the core benefits or what other sort of benefits come to mind when you think of why someone would set it up? Uh, I guess like there's different tax timing choices um you know the the mix of investments uh the the property side of things um you know you know you can't hold a property through a through a managed fund for example you can have you know part of a property for example but it's it's if you wanted to buy a property you, you have to have a self-managed super fund ultimately uh so it allows more flexibility on investment types yeah no no like yeah and Luke, what are your thoughts on that one? Your choice is like so, so much like there's, there's so much choice basically. Like you can literally go and buy bottles of wine in your self-made super fund that you think are going to go up in value. Like that's the sort of crazy investments that you can do that you can't get in managed funds. Like you can get collectible arts and stuff like that. So, I mean, why would you do it? You can invest in anything that you're good at basically, including obviously property artwork yeah all that stuff i've got to share a story with you on wines now i promise you it's not through my smsf so for anyone listening i didn't do it through there but i did have a trip i think it was 2016 over to korea uh and obviously south korea right and so uh i was uh going up towards the dmz demilitarized zone and then there was this cool story uh one of the tall guys said and he said hey there's this one shop it's technically a north korean shop but you can, you know, visit it as part of the SMSF. And so I said, okay, uh, not SMSF, sorry, you can visit it as part <laughs> of the tour. Here's where this whole SMSF yeah. acronym is just throwing itself in there. But um, I said, well, why would a North Korean store be on this side? He goes, look, long story, but this North Korean shop, you can go visit and they sell all these North Korean products. And so I found this bottle of wine. Now, I don't know what it says in front, but it did have a vine inside it and it was like, super fresh looking at the time and now it's absolutely <laughs> rotted away in this bottle but i haven't opened it up yet just for the thought that one day something crazy in the world may go on with the north korea and i'd have this random bottle of wine saying hey i went there i got this from this north korean store and just have this cool story to tell so perhaps there's some uh, learning from an investment criteria there that it's so scarce can only be found in one spot and it might go up in value right Maybe you, you can uh, sell it to your SMSF once you, uh, once you set it up, mate. <laughs> Definitely a bit of entity switching for tax advantage uh, structures. I won't say no. But, mate, um, speaking of SMSF was one term, there are all these terms that are thrown around. Corporate trustees, bear trusts, rollover, advice. Now, 
If I'm a first-time investor thinking of SMSF property investing, this is just whoosh going over my head. Could you share more on, I guess, what all these different terms mean? Absolutely. So SMSF is ultimately a type of trust. So there needs to be a trustee that manages that trust. Now, you can be individual trustees if you want, but most people would, would have it as a corporate trustee. Now, we would help set that up and make sure the members of the trust trustee company are the same as the self-motor super fund, that kind of thing. But ultimately, that company is responsible for running the super funds. But there are other... I'm sure you've heard of other um, other words like bear trusts and all that kind of stuff as well. So if you hold a, a property through a super fund, you have to hold it through a bear trust. Why you do that is because you have to separate the liability uh, of that property to the bear trust only so that if you no longer can afford to meet your loan repayments, for example, and the bank takes your property, it's not able to come after the other assets of, of your super fund. So it's just an asset separation thing. There's proper protection mentioned here, right? Because I guess there's the personal sides of investing and people think of trust, but somehow there's still that linkage between guarantor and personal directors and so forth. But in this, it seems quite well insulated as soon as this bare trust comes in because it's almost a whole separate entity that manages it. Is that my is, is that understanding fair when you summarize it that way? The way that like the ATO looks at it is like they don't want all of your assets for retirement to disappear, right? If one of your assets goes bad, the same thing if you bought shares in, in your super fund and they went to zero, you know, your other assets are still there, right, for your retirement. Same thing if you if you bought half of your assets was used to buy property and the other half was invested in other things, you know, they don't want your whole retirement to blow up, right? So that, yeah, it's really an asset protection thing for, for you. Got it. And I think that's a really good point to raise because sometimes people think they're set up but they're not truly set up because there might be lending involved, which then, of course, requires that bear trust as part of the SMSF. But that's a really good explanation because it, to me, just says it's an extra layer of protection to ensure you can get the right lending, but also separate it from your other stuff. Now, when it comes to SMSFs, what tends to be the sweet spot you find for the minimum balance to set one up? Some people say 200K, 250, 300. Some say 150. But what is it to you and why? Yeah, so I reckon... On the minimum balance, usually 250K is about right. I'll tell you why, because like if you're in, um, you know, a, a managed, like if you're with the banks or someone like that and you've got yourself managed super fund running with an Australian super or someone, they generally charge about 1% as a management fee. So by the time you hit 250,000, you're paying about two, two and a half thousand to have them take care of all that stuff for you. If you went out on your own, uh, you'll get charged about two and a half thousand. So basically, that's why everyone says two hundred fifty thousand is probably the amount because they're they're just literally doing it based on costs. Now, like if you go and drill down a little bit more, um, and you know we were talking about how much more flexibility you have with your manage like the, your assets and what you want to buy. You know, you might go even lower than that because if you know to get you are able to get really good returns in crypto or property or something like that, you've got this special skill where you're really good at it, you might be like, oh, I can now perform Australian Super and I'm going to go with that. So, I mean, based on price, 250 is the, the go, but yeah, it's not always the most important factor. You, you look at Luke's Super Fund, mate, it's a shocker. He, he went in with, what, 100 grand? <laughs> less, less, like I think 88,000. Yeah, I, so I, I, I set my own, I set my own self-managed Super Fund up, like, 
Um, obviously, because like I was investing in some other things like options and stuff like that. Like they're, they're a bit risky, but because I'm young, I don't really mind doing it. Yeah, so my minimum balance was like, I think it was 88,000 or something like that when I set it up. So like, that's what I mean. And like, I don't really care because like, obviously it's going to still cost me two and a half to service it every year. But like, um, I'm getting 20 or 30% return on the investments that I'm making. Whereas like, if it was stuck with one of the industry funds or something like that, I'd be getting a lot less. So that's why it's not a perfect, it's not a perfect science. I think options is code word for cases of wine and, uh, and, and different barrels, right? Is that the investment thesis? Actual options in this no, case. <laughs> I will not divulge. <laughs> and I guess when it comes to that minimum balance, you raise a good point because you've shown an example of from a fee basis, it's 250K makes sense from a mirroring effect. And I really appreciate that answer and transparency there because many advisors often tell their client these numbers but they struggle to explain the simplicity of why and it becomes this really difficult journey of, oh no, because that's what I think you need to invest when they might not actually be the specialist of property or the specialist of options, crypto or wine bottles, whatever it is. I think the main thing here is that you've shown a core reason as to why the 250K comes up. But if you want to set it up at 150, if you wanted to set it up at 200, know the cost might be slightly more versus your traditional funds but at least you get coming back to the benefits of control, different investment options. So that's great to clarify because I think that's one thing that's been hidden amongst the reasons why. Now, when it comes to the sweet spot, we talked about that, but however, many people think of compliance and some advisors are going, hey, let me help you with this. Other advisors are scaring the crap out of potential SMSF investors because there's a lot of things that say, you know, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. And it throws itself into the too hard basket. What are some of those things that people should be aware of? And how does a great advisory firm like yours actually assist people to ensure that they can sit back and, you know, have a control? Yeah, I think to be honest, the compliance with SMSFs is, um, is huge. You know what I mean? Like, so it's not something that you can sort of just discount straight away, but if you do have a good advisory firm, you know, you, you will find yourself sort of thriving with it. So like we basically take care of all the compliance. We don't do any investment advice or anything like that, but we take care of all of the compliance side of things like, you know, your tax returns, your minutes, like your notes, all that sort of stuff that needs to go through to make sure that you're like, you're in compliance. So in terms of our clients, all they've got to worry about is like, what what are they going to invest in? What's their investment strategy? Are they going to use an advisor? What are they going to do there? Like everything else is pretty much taken care of by us. Um, I think I, I think you got to be. Like, I think Luke. I think you got to be like. What, what what people don't realize is we had one case of this recently where someone bought a property in a super fund, and uh, they're renting it from their own company that they're running, but they're not actually paying rent to the fund. Now you can't do that. Right, so before you do that, before you buy the property, if it's a commercial property or whatever you buy, just be aware of what you can and can't do. Because if you if you're not paying any rent in, you've got a non arms length, you know, transaction. Then you know that's where you're really going to get hit by the ATO. Yeah, it's a good point to raise because I, I take two things from there. One is, firstly, there's a concept that they're after that they want to hit, but hey, you've got to actually deliver on that to make sure that it flows through. And um, if they're keen to be my landlord, I'd be happy for them to run our commercial property and, you know, not pay them any rent either, right? <laughs> but no, it's a, it's a great point in terms of raising the importance of compliance. Uh, Luke, I know you were going to jump in on the compliance front as well to share a few extra thoughts. What are some of your further thoughts there? Yeah, so to be honest, we actually uh, picked up quite a lot of SMSF clients recently and like they were run 
uh, previously from a firm that didn't help. And like, if you end up with an advisor like that, that's not going to help you. It's, it is, it is a bit scary. Like we had people pre preservation age. So like they're like under 65 and not retired transferring money to themselves, related properties, things like that. And to be honest, like the fines that ATO can hand out if you do the wrong thing are, are pretty high. So, I mean, I would say if you're a good investor, go for it, like try and get an SMSF, but um, make sure you've got a good advisor and sort of run like purchases and things like that by them because every year when you sit down with them, they should be going through what's happened in your fund and then they'll be fixing all that stuff up. So like this guy that Joe was talking about that didn't pay any rent, hasn't paid any for years, but I mean like all our clients, if they rocked up and we said, where's the rent mate? Like, I mean, like they would know in the first six months before they did the return that they were doing something wrong and we'd fix it for them. So yeah, just make sure you pick the right accounting firm, basically. Yeah, that's that's the key part there, right? It's it's not just to set up, it's to set up, educate, support the whole way through because you know that communication needs to be there, especially if there's such a, a thin line of that compliance and how far it can be stretched. So uh, great points, Luke and Joe. So when it comes to property investing, it's a very popular topic for uh, many you know SMSF investors and. I wonder why, because I guess we know property investing outside of SMSF, but I'm interested to know why it becomes such a popular option in SMSFs. Well, I reckon one of the main points is like a lot of people have access to capital that they own in SMSF. So one of the hardest things, especially like in the city market, um, as you would know, is like trying to save up for a deposit to buy property. It's almost impossible for, you know, 90% of people or probably even 99% of people. So like when you look at your super fund and you're sort of turning 35 or 40, you've got quite a quite a big balance that you can go and start like buying properties with. And then obviously, you know, like this is not investment advice, <laughs> but like obviously property is like a little bit less, like a little bit less risky than the, than the stock market and things like that. And your timing, I mean, like it doesn't have to be as precise as like when you're doing, you know, shares or options or wine. <laughs> now, you're like, yeah, but just basically with the property. So like, I think it's just like, it's a little bit less risky and you've got really good access to capital in SMSFs. Yeah, I think that's a really good point on uh, the, the the risk factor of long-term investing. Joe, have you got any other points to add to the, the com- I guess, the concepts of property investing in SMSF? Because those are a few good points. Any others from your side? That That's the main thing is like a lot of people have a balance of super and they don't know what to do with it, right? But they know, for example, that like later on, they might want to live in a certain property Maybe they can use that money to invest, uh, and then later on they might be able to access it to live in, it, like for their retirement, all that kind of stuff. And people are comfortable with property, right? So like a lot of people don't understand the share market, or they have an advisor that's helping them out. But at the moment, the share market's all over the place, right? So they feel comfortable buying property, and really like for tax reasons, like you're getting tax at fifteen percent on your on your income in the super fund. You're getting taxed at, often people are getting taxed at 49 percent outside of super so you know if you're earning good rental returns you can you know purchase uh commercial property as well in your super fund yeah it just provides a lot more flexibility than yeah just on that like it's actually a, sorry it's a very good point that joe was bringing up so like obviously when you buy property outside of super and it builds up and then eventually you got to sell it or pass it on to your kids or something eventually you're going to have a capital gain event Whereas like in super, if you bought a property for a hundred thousand and went to a million dollars at the very end, if you switch it into pension phase, like you don't pay any capital gains tax. So like, yeah, you like, that's the main benefit, I guess. If you hold it for a really long portion of time, you hit the right age, you can sort of get out of it without paying even 15% tax. So that's, that's a big benefit. 
Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah. I think that's a really good idea because many people often think of the short term, my gearing, I want tax back. But the truth is no one's investing long term for tax to come back. People are investing long term to get income streams, have wealth, pass down assets and be rich. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like that's the goal for many. This is what kills me sometimes. You get clients coming in, they go, <laughs> oh, I've neg- negatively geared like four properties and I'm like, and I go, well, is that on a, on a book? Uh, you know, is that because of depreciation or is that because you're losing money every year? And they're like, no, no, we're losing money every year. I'm like, well, it's not, that's not really, that's not helping you. You're actually like spending a dollar to save 40 cents, you know, whereas the smarter property investors, as you would know, are like the ones that say they buy a new property, they're getting a, a depreciation event that brings them into a loss. That can be beneficial, but you know, you want to be making money on this stuff. Yeah. I think from that perspective, what I think of uh, SMSF property investors, it's like, firstly, okay, it might have some negative in the short term with interest rates where they are right now. But the truth is you're playing such a long-term game when you think of 15% tax versus anything else. I'd dream and be so excited for the rate of 15% tax to be applied to anything I earn. That would be huge, but sadly it isn't. And from that perspective, I think the key thing is SMSF will allow that from a long-term holding. Now, you touched on something earlier, which is around people considering retirement properties and maybe even having that for their SMSF go back to them. Could you explain that concept? Because to me, what it's sounding like is you could plan your retirement out very early in life and eventually have it come back around to favor you later on. Um, So we're going through this with another client at the moment where they've got a property in their SMSF. It's actually beneficial now because they're they're in their seventies to actually have that property outside of Suba. Um, now we can we're turning their their fund into pension phase, so there's no tax on any gains or any income that year. We then transfer the property out at market value. They are actually still the beneficial owner of the property, so your risk there is stamp duty. Are you selling it to someone else? But because you're still the beneficial owner. Uh, generally, you're going to be exempt from stamp duty. You're not going to have any other taxes to pay. And now because you've transferred it out as a pension payment, uh, being the market value, you own it personally, then there's no limitation on whether you can use it personally. So we see that often. People will transfer it out. Once they hit 65, they hit pension. They can turn in pension phase. And away they go. They live living on the Sunshine Coast or wherever they want to be. Unreal. I think that to me sounds like, hey, if you're looking at a location, you're like, wow. That was a great spot and I think I could retire there. And then on top of that, you think that, hey, it's really early and maybe it's quiet today, but it might not be so quiet tomorrow. That, that I think, could in, you know, enlighten a lot of ideas for many to still have an investment in property, but tick multiple goals without compromising, I guess, long-term, knowing that they're going to hold it for 20 years anyway, right? So thank you for that insight. Now, when it comes to the process, we've learned about SMSF as in why it's attractive for property, minimum fund balances, what is it, why someone would set up, and even some of the terms and compliance. Could we take a step back and go, okay, I might have a balance that I feel comfortable with, call it 150 to 250K combined or on my own. And I'm now thinking as a property investor and I want to get cracking into property investing using an SMSF. What does the step-by-step process look like when working with Obsidian Advisory to be able to get from thought like that to hey Arjun I'd like to get cracking now to find the property the actual process is actually it's a lot easier than people think but the thing is when you're setting up a SMSF you actually need to get advice on that from a financial planner 
so you'd get a statement of advice drawn up just to outline like the risks and the rewards and all that kind of stuff. I'll leave financial planners to talk about that, but we would refer you to a good one that we know. And then once once that's done, the actual compliance side, we can set up within 24 hours. So the the, the super fund itself, the trustee company of that, the bear trust uh, and the bear trust the trustee would all, all be set up. But the thing is with the bear trust, we would actually need to know what the address of the property is. So... It's all, it's all going to kind of happen at the same time. You, you need to find the property. You need to get funding approved, knowing that that's going to be going into your super fund. Um, and then once that contract's signed, we can set it up within 24 hours. The, mo- the money goes into the new bank account for the super funds and then is paid from there like it normally would be. And then compliance, if it's a commercial property, you've got to be registered for GST as well. Um, so we would need to do business activity statements every quarter um, and then really it's just your annual compliance so we would generally set you up in class uh, super the software uh, have all the bank transactions coming through automatically and we can code them as we go um, and then we organize the audit for you and yeah away you go that's it yeah awesome that's a great understanding there of the process so if i was to bullet point that it sounds like Let's take a step back and decide if it's right for you. Then jump into advice to know all your options. Then transition to setup. But just before setup, it's not the full setup. It's like part one of it. And whilst you're doing that, you've got finance running. If property becomes a core part, we jump back in for bear trust once you've got the core finance and address. And then you're on your way to you know, managing that compliance setup, turnaround within that 24, 48 hours. It doesn't sound too long. And then you transition into actually just buying it as you would traditional property. So the, the, the thing that we have to wait for is the, the, the property being the contract. The super fund itself can be set up. Then we set up the bear trust once you've got that contract signed. Uh, the money can already be in the super fund. Uh, and away you go. It's, it's, it's not that difficult, to be honest. Now, here's a hot tip on what one thing I noticed many don't realize on the finance front. Let's just say you're going through your borrowing capacities and if you're tuning in, standing, standing at your calculators of borrowing capacity and looking at it and going, I don't have much left, hold on a minute. SMSF is taking contributions from pre-tax income and then it's going across. So what the bank calculates your borrowing capacity personally is actually a different entity holding and capacity from your self-managed super fund. So just when you think on a personal buying, you might be stuck or that's kind of it and you've got to wait till certain changes occur, you may have that opportunity for one, maybe two, depending on the scenarios, more investment properties in the fund. So this is why it's great to get all parties involved, the team and obsidian advisory from a setup perspective and compliance and management, then involving financial planners where required from an advice setting, and then coming back to the team here at Investigate to support with whether it be finance or actually finding that property. So... Gents, thank you so much for sharing a lot of insights here. How can anyone who's considering SMSF, especially with those balances of that 150 to 250 plus, keen to think of how they can add that extra investment, reach out to you too? Uh, pretty pretty easy. Just uh, go to our website, obsidianadvisory.com.au. Uh, all our contact details are there. And yeah, just hit us up and we'll get back to you straight away. Awesome. Thank you so much again. And that's another wrap up from the Investigate Podcast.